Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School, the podcast where you get fresh insight from leaders at top tech companies and startups. Remember, you can learn product management in person at our 15 campuses worldwide or study with us online. Visit productschool.com to learn more about our courses. You can also hang out with the leaders from these podcasts at our hundreds of annual events and catch us at ProductCon, the world's largest PM conference that takes place every year across the United States and in London. So the, the reason why I'm here today is because I want to demystify a little bit of the field of product management. I get contacted online on LinkedIn a lot about um, being a product manager, people that want to be a product manager, people that are product managers. And I want to know what, how do I do what I do, or how, did, how can I become a product manager? So um, I will start with my journey. Uh, how did I get here? How did where do I come from? How do I get to where I am now? And why am I here talking to you guys? What, is my, what are my credentials, right? Like, uh, I was born in West Africa in a country called Algeria. This is not a picture of Algeria. This is a um, picture of Senegal. That's where my family lives. I was there a couple of years ago and uh, took this great shot. It's like a huge map of Africa. Um, that dome over there has about the size of a football field. So yeah, uh, that's why I'm, I was born in the 1980s. I'm not gonna tell you guys how old exactly I am. <laughs> I moved to the United States in 2005. I went to school in Wichita State in Kansas, studied computer engineering. I then uh, moved to Salt Lake City, Utah in 2009 to enroll in a doctorate program in biomedical engineering. After that, I moved to Seattle in 2015. I love that picture. It's a jersey of Shaquem Griffin. Who here knows who Shaquem Griffin is? You know him? The Seattle Seahawks uh, player is the one with uh, one arm. Uh, like he is missing part of his limb. He's a great inspiration for me because he still does what he loves to do, even though he was born with a bit of a defect. Uh, I, the only football jersey that I own, I felt like I deserve to, to buy it. I watch, it, uh, watch his game all the time. And um, I've never wore that jersey, but I keep it in my closet just to remind me keep it for, for inspiration purposes. Um, in 2016, I got my second product manager's role at GE Healthcare. Uh, I put it over here because it was significant for me. Um, it was an enterprise product that I had a chance to run. Uh, my team was building an image analysis software for GE Healthcare. I can come back to that later. Um, 2019, this has been a busy year for me. Um, I enrolled in the MBA program at the University of Chicago. I'm part of what they call the weekend warriors. So every weekend I fly to Chicago to take class all day long, and I come back Saturday evening uh, to Seattle. Um, I got a job at Providence St. Joseph, which is huge because before that I was a technical product manager, and now I'm a uh, global marketing product manager. We have a digital innovation team within Providence St. Joseph. We build software for the hospital from the application, the mobile app for the hospital system, but also different platform that a patient can use to talk to the providers. Like you can take like telehealth uh, on your phone or on a laptop. And I also got married in 2019, a few months ago. Thank you, thank you to my sweetheart. We had been dating for seven years. I say seven years, she says eight years. <laughs> but yeah, we got married. So, so this is me, um, this is me. So let's get started. 
So I, I had to put this slide down. What does a product manager do? It's one of those memes. Uh, what does my mom think I do? Can you guys see okay? Is, is, it, I don't, is are the lights okay? Yeah. Right. Uh, I thought this was really interesting. Uh, just Googling what does a product manager do? This is one of the first slides that you get. I really like the what my mom thinks I do. She thinks I'm Steve Jobs introducing iPhone for the first time. I wish that was true. I like what I think I do. I think I'm Superman, like you're saving the world. My case can actually possibly be true because I work for a hospital. Uh, but what I actually do is just running around like, like a chicken with a, with a, with a head. That, that, that was a great one. I, I love this one. Um, let, let's try again. Like, what does a product manager do? The product school uh, published this picture on their uh, Twitter page a few months ago. Right? It's like a, a couple of product managers dressed with like, a bunch of sticky notes, which happened to be one of the favorite tools of product managers, right? like sticky notes and sharpies usually before they've shipped their product, right? They do a lot of planning, uh, roadmap planning, uh, sprint planning. Um, in my office at Providence, there's a lot of sticky notes everywhere. The building has to, it's a glass building. So they have to remind me all the time to remove the sticky notes from, but they always find their way uh, up there on, in my office. Um, I love this one too, it was great. So one more, like what does a product manager do? Who here knows who this guy is? Steph Curry, right? Like this is uh, when they won the second championship, right? Um, I get a lot of that product managers are rock star, in particular after shipping, they get a lot of attention, uh, a lot more than engineers, which is maybe not so rightfully so, but um, the favorite tools are PowerPoint presentation and ABS. Always be selling, right? As a product manager, you have to have, you have, to have your uh, pitch, you have to have your 30 second elevator pitch. Um, Somebody can wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you what does your product do. You got to be able to tell them what your product does, what is the value proposition, and how does it help people. But just a little more seriously, right? what does a product manager actually do? Right? So my thesis is that um, it depends. It depends on the life cycle of the product. Anybody have seen this chart before? Right? It's product life cycle. It evolves. Right? Uh, it's an introduction phase where um, you're still trying to find out what the product is, still trying to feel like what are your corners. Uh, you ship your first version of your MVP of your product, then it goes through a growth phase where you acquire more customers, right? The, project, the product gains maturity. Um, you get to a plateau stage where you've cornered the market, uh, you've captured as much customer as you can, potentially, and then it goes into a decline phase where you start to find what's your next thing. So at each one of those stages, the different activities that you do depend. So for the next few slides, we're going to dive into each one of those, and then we're going to talk about some of the activities. And I'm going to try to use some of the examples from my own life and um, some of the product that I have managed in the past. The first one, in the introduction phase, um, what you will hear if you take a course like the one here at the product school or some of the other schools is the term ideation. You guys familiar with that term? Right? Ideation is when uh, some of the ideas are created. There's a lot of brainstorming processes that take place. Uh, people sit in rooms. Usually you have your tech team. If you're lucky, you have a product design team. You have a user experience. You have a user research team. Trying to come up with the right combination of features that will um, formulate your MVP. Right? It's a lot of experimentation being done, a lot of uh, learning, still trying to find out what exactly your product is going to be. You have an idea, but um, you want to find out what the what the user wants, right? Like what solution you want to solve. 
Sometimes the best products are not the one that will make it to the market. So you want to understand like who your customer, you want to segment your market, you want to find out what solution works for each one and which one you want to put out there. Uh, building and shipping is a huge part of introduction, obviously, for your product to be out there. You have to collaborate with engineers to get the product built so that you can eventually ship it and put it in the market. Right. Prioritization, uh, expansion. Hopefully in the growth phase, you start gaining more sales depending on your product or more users. So if you're a product like, um, like Amazon, it may be sales, but if you're a product like Spotify, it may be users, right? If you have the network effect, the more users you have, the more valuable your product is. So is this one, um, in this stage here, you want to start thinking about it, uh, or it could be geography too. Like if you're a product and you feel like you've cornered the American market and you may want to go to India, or you want to go to China, or Europe, then you want to expand geography. That's the phase in which you do it. Some of the activities involved here, um, again, some of some brainstorming, uh, you may want to uh, collaborate with your sales team over there in that, in that different country, just understanding um, what they like to use over there. It could be different features that you have to build in that product, but what you want, you, can, you want to do what you can to expand. Um, and the last thing is learning and feedback. At this phase here, you will start getting feedback from your users, right? from your original users um, and from new users. It's very important for a product manager to listen to, to the field, listen to what your user have to say because uh, that will determine if you leave or if you do not, if you do not leave. Um, for feedback, uh, some of the metrics that we track is NPS, Net Promoter Scores. Uh, you definitely always want to make sure that if your product is user-facing, that you have a, an option for them to give you feedback. And you want to make sure that you're reading that every day because that would tell you how your product is performing. In the maturity uh, phase of the life cycle, like you've started to plateau, you've uh, cornered the market, you've done a good job, congratulations. Um, again, tracking metric is, again, top down, it's very important, you want to know how you're doing, your product leaders will come to you every day asking you uh, how you're doing. For my current product, I own the virtual platform at Providence Hospital, which enables patients to do a visit with their doctors. At any given time, any given day, somebody can ask me how many male users, how many female users, I mean, what percentage, how many people are paying with a credit card, with insurance, I know those numbers at all time. Right? Profit. At, that st at this stage, hopefully your product is starting to make some money, right? You're starting to generate some revenue. Uh, you want to lower the COGS. COGS stands for cost of goods sold, right? Like if you're a product manager for Coca-Cola, you have suppliers, the supplier that sells you the bottle, the supplier that sells you the sugar, right? You want to engage in activities to decrease that cost so that you can maximize your profit, right? So you want to engage in conversation. You want to find out how you can uh, negotiate better to get those costs down so you can maximize your profit. And retention and feedback, um, a lot of product managers spend a lot of time trying to gain new users or to try to gain new customers. You can think of a funnel, right, where they want to get more people uh, in the funnel. But one thing that is uh, sometimes um, uh, simplified, right, is like the fact that your best users are your current users, right? Your best customers are current customers. So instead of constantly adding new people in, you also want to find a way to get your current user to reuse your product, right? So that's the retention part. You do not want, if you are Spotify, you don't want your customer to go use, it's like Jay-Z has a, do you guys know? What? It's called Tidal. 
title, right? If you Spotify, you want to keep your user at Spotify. You don't want them to go use title. Although I think Beyonce owns part of it. So, <laughs> um, and reporting at this stage, and maybe even at the growth phase, they have to do a lot of presentation to the top level executive in your company. Um, I am in a meeting every Wednesday, which is called a WBR, a weekly business review meeting. If anybody is at Amazon, you guys will have heard of that term. Um, where my skip level, who is the chief marketing officer for Providence, is part of that meeting. That meeting is for him, so I get to report to him. Um, that is a reporting piece. Everybody wants to know how the product is doing, right? They are not necessarily paying attention to the same level of metrics that you are, but they want to know. They want to know that you tr keep track of them. If uh, it goes down, they want to know why. If it goes up, they want to know why, right? And in the last phase, the decline phase, um, this is actually a very exciting phase, right? Because you've done everything you could. You've introduced a new product. Uh, you've grown it, you've, now you now have a million users, right? You've made as much profit as you could from the product. Now it's, think, it's time to think about the next idea, right? Like how do I get to the next generation of this product? Think of if you're product managers for Sony, you had the PlayStation 4, right? You have, you know, you've been hugely successful, you've sold millions and millions of systems. Now it's time to think about the PlayStation 5 system. Right, so you want to do a lot of learning here too. You want to understand where the market is going, where the technology is going, what's the new technology out there. A lot of experiment, uh, user group, bring people in, focus group, um, get a sense of where's the, where's the market going. A lot of promotion too. You want to gain, you want to do some advocacy exercise. You want to make sure that your leadership, you want to make sure that your um, uh, the people, that your colleagues are on board. Like the engineers, you always have to drag them with you, right? Like you have to have the support. That's the promotion part in this phase here, in the decline phase. And um, hopefully this cycle start over again. Like from the decline phase, you go back to the introduction phase, you introduce this uh, PlayStation 5 or whatnot, and you start again. So like a lot of these things is uh, customizable, like depending on the product, depending on the team, it will be very different, right? So I uh, built this slide and I really like it. Uh, these are some of the, the nine different tools that are used by a product manager daily. Uh, it's gonna take us some time, but we're gonna go through each one of them and we'll come to your question. Uh, I divided them in two groups. There is uh, in blue some of the fundamental tools that a product manager has in a tool bag. Um, every single product manager I know have them, right? <laughs> and in, in the left in orange are more advanced tools. Not everybody has them, it just kind of depends on your style. Uh, some of them takes longer to acquire. Let's go to each one of them and hopefully I can convince you that this slide is correct, okay? Uh, first one, uh, I, I uh, bar uh, the, the term expertise, because I hear like a, a lot of noise of people saying that you need to be a domain expert. That's a fallacy, that's not true. You do not have to be a domain expert. I would posit that nobody is a domain expert in anything, right? There's a lot of domain knowledge, but not domain expertise. For me to be a product manager in healthcare, I do not have to be a domain expert in healthcare. I was not a domain health, um, expert in healthcare. I had some knowledge and I can learn about it. I can get better at it. But you do not have to be a domain expert. Domain knowledge is good enough. Second one is curiosity. Um, it's very important in product management. You gotta be able to come to a new product. I, I guess it just follows the first one, right? You have to be able to come to a new product uh, whether it's Qualtrics, whether it's uh, Amazon, Microsoft, 
and learn what you need to learn so that you can um, do the best for the products, like make the best decision for the product, whether it's prioritization, um, whether it's uh, customer pain point, right? Through curiosity, you will learn what those are, what you need to build. Uh, Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, um, recently, he didn't coin the term, but he made the term popular, growth mindset, right? Which is about constantly be learning, like never be satisfied with what you think you know, but always seek knowledge. Always try to learn more, either from your customer, from the product, from the product itself. Uh, what are some of the features that you need to build to uh, take it to the next level? Com stands for communication. Uh, it's extremely important. You will sell, like that was your ABS again. You will sell, sell, and sell your product. Sometimes you have to compete. If you're in an organization that has uh, shared resources, in my organization we have shared uh, design resources. And my manager is a VP of, engineer, of product. She says that there is a three-pronged approach where you have your product manager, you have your product designer, and you have your engineer, your engineering managers. And she wants for any feature decision to be made, she wants to have a consensus between the three. Right? So between me and the engineering uh, manager, we sit next to each other. It's fairly easy to come to a consensus. But the product designer, he's a shared resource. He doesn't just work on my product, he works on many products. So I have to compete for his time. I have to find a way to convince him that my product is important. Uh, to sit down in meetings with him and just hear him talk to me about product designs and uh, why my product sucks. <laughs> right, so does that kind of answer your question about shared resources? Yeah, sometimes you just have to communicate and share the vision and share why you think that your product is important and how you're addressing the customer pain point. Uh, customer obsession is very important. You will not, you will absolutely not build a feature that your customer use if you do not have the best interest in mind. Right? There is a, um, people talk about empathy, like in order for you to have customer obsession, you need to empathize with the customer pain point. And for you to know those uh, pain points, you have to be able to communicate to them on a daily basis. One of my customers is, uh, is the head of clinical head of a clinical team uh, for Providence Hospital. She sits in Portland. We talk every day. She has my cell phone number. Um, she texts me every day she, or she Skypes me. She contacts me on Slacks. When she has a problem, she says, hey, how, why is this not working the way it's supposed to be? Uh, I have a new idea for a future you should be building. Uh, you want to have that relationship with your customer. One thing that we did at GE, because it was an enterprise, product, we did not have the luxury to have that type of relationship with our customers, is that we built a user group here in Seattle. Most of our customers were, um, we built image analysis software and microscope for the pharmaceutical industry. Our, most of our customers were in the Boston area, the pharmaceutical industry, like um, Pfizer, Merck, Johnson & Johnson. Because we couldn't have the level of communication that we needed, we built a user group here in Seattle. There is a couple of biotechs here. Um, that user group enabled us to come and collect feedback almost on a weekly basis. We organize conferences, we organize uh, events just like this one here, like uh, brown bags, uh, lunch and learn, just so that we can talk to them and learn about the pain point. Uh, next one is prioritize. We touch about it uh, a little bit before, it's extremely important because you will be conflicted with a lot of different requests coming from all directions. Um, it's very important to, to be able to prioritize. The, the most difficult prioritization exercise is when you have to 
debate between features that help the customer versus tech debt, right? So coming back again in that um, life cycle, at the beginning, you accumulate a lot of tech debt because you want to go fast. But it gets to a point where um, the tech debt is noticeable by the customer. They start seeing bugs and the feedbacks are negative. So you want to address some of the tech debt. Just being able to know what is the right proportion between user-facing features and tech debt is extremely important. And you're just going to have to, there's no magic number. You're just going to have to get a feel for it and see what works best for you. Like coming to some of the most advanced skills, and let me know if you disagree that these are advanced, but the first one is people skill. Um, some product managers are introverted. Right? They, they just don't like to talk to people. Uh, I will argue that Steve Jobs, who is known as one of the best product managers ever, had really bad, really poor people skill. Right? He irritated everybody he worked with. Um, nobody wanted to be around him, not even his daughter. Right? Um, the people skill is very important. At Microsoft, one of the things that they judge you on, in addition to being able to deliver a product, is are you going to be able to do it again? And that is based on the fact that if in the first time you created enough friction and you pissed off enough people that they will not, be, they will not want to work with you again, like you're not going to be successful again, right? So it's like, yeah, you've shipped this product, but are you going to be able to do it again? So your people skill will help you with that. Right, and then you heard the ter terminology, emotional intelligence. Uh, again, empathy, we come back to that term. Um, you have to work on your people skill. Something that I'm consistently having to remind myself, um, just bonding with your team, um, go to a lot of coffee chats, right? Like, <laughs> like just, just get along, right? Otherwise, you will not be successful as a product manager. If, at least, if you want to be an advanced product manager, your people skill will take you a long way. I've actually seen cases where people skill is the only thing that carries somebody across, right? Just because they're able to bring people in the same room and get them together so that the decision can be made, right? Uh, the next one, are uh, tech skills, right? Like, absolutely not necessary, right? But it's good to have. You have tech skills, if you can code yourself, you can understand when your engineer tells you that it's going to take six months to build a feature, when you know that it only takes one week to do it, <laughs> right? So you can call them and be like, no, I, this is not going to be six weeks. And usually the best way to deal with that is like, okay, what is the minimum that you can give me? What's the, what's the MVP? Like, what is the one-week version of this feature? That's usually the, the way to, like, get them to tell you the truth about how much time it takes to build that feature. So having tech skill help, um, but if you don't, you don't necessarily have to go acquire them. You can uh, get by by hacking. Say, for instance, if you have a lot of data to analyze, but you don't know how to write Python to help you with that, you can use pivot table like, to help you analyze the data. So those are ways to hack around your ways, and that will help you as a PM. If you don't know how to use pivot table, go learn on YouTube. That's part of hacking. Like, so you just have to have that mentality where if you don't know how to do something, go figure out how to do it so that you can meet the need for the product. Advocacy. Um, that is when you have to be able to sell your product to your leadership. You have to be able to sell your product to people you work with. You have to be uh, an advocate for your, for your product. There is a gentleman here in the Seattle area. He works for WeWork. I'm not sure if anybody is familiar with him. He goes by the, by, by the, by the name, uh, I'm the future of work. Have you guys heard of him? 
now. If you go on LinkedIn, if you do anything that has to do with WeWork, you will see his face, right? He's a great guy. He's a great advocate for his product. If you, when you see, when I think about his face, I think about WeWork, right? And I think about his face, I think about we are the future of work, which is what WeWork want to be, right? So you want to be a great advocate for your product. And it's very similar to Inspire Followers, but to me, Inspire Followers is at the top of what a great product manager can have, right? It's just the ability to convince people to follow you, to like, to use your product. Um, whereas it's just user using your product um, or it is uh, engineers wanting to be in working on your product. Sometimes if you work in an organization that has many product managers and many products, you will not get assigned to the most sexy product, right? And it's tough sometimes to convince an engineer to work on your stuff if it's just infrastructure, right? Like go rewrite uh, architecture or go um, change our database from Mongo to Postgres, right? That, that's not a chatbot or that's not AI, right? So how do you convince, how do you get your engineer excited to, uh, to work on this product? For the next few slides, I just have some things that I've done in the past that were very successful. Is just, I call them my secret sauce. But um, the first thing is, is failure, right? Like fail often, fail fast. Uh, if you read the book, uh, the Lean uh, Product Management, Lean Engineering, Lean Development, they talk a lot about that. Um, I use my failure as my badge of honor. The first draft of this slide was actually a list of every time that I failed. And I took it off because that was just going to take all night long, right? Because it's just a lot of them, right? I, I fail a lot, uh, but I'm, I'm proud of it, right? Because when I fail, I learn from my mistakes and I know how to to improve from it. So fail often, fail fast. Uh, the second thing is uh, find your purpose. I uh, took this slide from my um, behavioral economic professor. Uh, it's some sociology in this slide, but it's very applicable to this talk. Uh, find what motivates you. Some people are motivated by extrinsic means of like money, um, like, like you know, getting like recognition, popularity, or whatnot. But if you let that be your motivator, you will get disappointed, right? So find what motivates you. Hopefully, it's intrinsic. Hopefully, you take pride in your job. Hopefully, when you go to the office on Mondays with enthusiasm and not uh, amateur. So the next one uh, is curiosities. I'm extremely curious. Uh, I put three uh, uh, quotes from three people that I respect a lot. And, and it's timeless because I can see Satya is like is living now. Einstein was. 100 years ago, and Confucius was thousands of years ago, right? Uh, be a learn-it-all, don't be a know-it-all. Uh, consistently be learning. Einstein said that that is when we stop learning. I think it's a little extreme, but uh, what he meant is that as long as you live, always be curious, always seek knowledge. And Confucius said that if you were the smartest in the room, then you're in the wrong room. Uh, I'd like to say that we're all in the right room tonight because all surrounded by extremely smart and talented people. So continue to learn, just, uh, yeah. And I also have this uh, picture. How many of you have seen this picture before? No? It's actually very um, common. Like in the, in the core, is, is your comfort zone. This is the thing that you do every day. As a product manager, maybe it's uh, roadmap building or your sprint planning. Uh, it's your comfort zone. You know how to do it. Like you've, it's almost routine. You do it on a regular basis. But uh, when your manager asks you to take over this other assignment, it's back-end. I've never worked with back-end before. I've only done front-end. Then I'm, I'm a little scared, right? Because I'm like, whoa, 
I'm, I'm not going to be successful. That is the fear zone. Right? You lack a little bit of confidence. Like, how do I approach that? Am, am I going to fail? But remember, failure is my cape. I, I, you know, I'm not afraid of failure. So, you know, I put myself out there. So I'm going to take over that pro project. Uh, I'm going to build that, that new product, right? And I go in the learning phase where I learn a little bit about backend. I learn the terminologies, what's different between a relational database versus a non-relational, like how do the cloud work, right? And I start building that product and I get in the growth zone where now I can start becoming um, knowledgeable about it. I can talk about it. I can become maybe even an expert on it. And the only, my only problem with this uh, image is that it's a linear, you know, it's something linear, whereas in real life, it comes back, right? So once you, um, an expert in this new thing that you just learned, hopefully you look for something else, right? Hopefully there is something else that you get exposed to that you're not familiar with, and you go through that same cycle again, right? So the one thing that would make this, um, this figure better is if that error comes back, because like what you've just learned, what you've just mastered become your comfort zone and hopefully you, you go through it again. Right? Have you guys heard the term Montessori? Yeah, it's like very Montessori-like. Like start something new, master it, and then start again, start over, like go through this process. So that's, that's something that has worked for me successfully. I've been able to get a new product and so I continuously learn from it and build better products. Um, last thing, I have three more slides, is give back. It's always give back, uh, extremely important. Uh, I put this quote over here, anybody can guess who, is, who the quote is from? Pretty much goes, uh, send the elevator back. Like once you get to the top, always remember to give back. Michelle Obama, I absolutely uh, love her. She was in Seattle not too long ago. She has a uh, book that a lot of my friends are reading. Right? Um, she's been talking about the fact that when you get to that stage, whatever it is for you, always think about giving back, because only by giving back that you replenish yourself um, and you have more to give. And that picture was taken, that was me in uh, Mumbai. I was blessed to be uh, in Mumbai earlier this year. I, a great time. I was there for two weeks, I absolutely loved it. I met this, uh, this, this lady here and then she took me to the slums and uh, we just played with the kids, bought them food, uh, food and candy and stuff. We had a good time. Uh, the last thing is my last slide uh, to wrap up. I uh, put together an, an acronym. This acronym would resonate with uh, people at my job because our group is called DIG, Digital Innovation Group, and we're a bunch of nerds, so Nerd DIG would just totally resonate, but they've never seen this slide. I put it together especially for you guys, but you know, it just goes, no magic bullet, like this, um, no one way to become a product manager, right? Like the whole thing about uh, demystifying the whole product manager field. Everybody can be a product manager, right? It, you don't have to be an expert. All you have to be is knowledgeable in your particular area. Um, embrace failures. Failures is good for you. That's how you learn. A quick analogy. I lived in Salt Lake City about six years ago. Um, my sister and my cousin came to visit me, and they were younger, they, they're both younger, and I took them skiing, because I used to ski a lot at the time, 
And um, it, I, I noticed the difference attitude between the two. It's like my sister, both of them kept falling, right? It's like ski is your first time. And my sister kept, you know, getting back up and trying again. And my cousin wasn't. She was more like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. By the end of the day, my sister could ski, my cousin couldn't, right? So that's the whole thing about embracing your failure. Right? You know you will fail, just embrace it and learn from it. You get better. Uh, reward in the journey. If you master that, this is, uh, this is great. Um, my doctorate program was five years. And for a lot of people going through a doctorate program, the goal is the PhD, right? Like the three letter at the end of your name. But that's actually not true. The reward is in the journey. What you will learn while doing it, like the trials and tribulation, the friction, the, the learning, the, the failure, and all that stuff, that is the reward, right? If, if you get that, like, this would be really good for you. Develop hard or soft skills. Uh, it doesn't hurt. Right? I mentioned earlier that you do not have to be technical. You do not have to have uh, technical. You do not have to know how to code. That's pretty much what, what I was trying to say earlier. But you do have to have some text, some hard skills. Right? You have to be. Um, you have to know how to use Excel. You have to know how to work your way around data. You have to know your regressions. Right? You have to be to know some math and some soft skills. That's your people skills. Like. Don't be, let's say, don't be the type of people that say hi back, be, be the type of people that say hi first, right? If you say hi to somebody, it's easy for them to say hi back, right? Say, say hi, hi. But it, you have to be the type of person that say hi the first, right? Because those are the ones that have those great people skills. Don't be the smartest in the room, we cover that. Um, surround yourself with people that challenge you, um, your colleagues, your significant other, maybe even your kids, right? Always be with people that challenge you that push you to the next thing. Um, like product managers, you always want to be learning. Right? So don't be the smartest in the room. And find your intrinsic motivators, find what motivates you. Um, again, that will carry you through your days. As a product manager, there is a lot of long days. <laughs> but if you are motivated by something within, then that will carry you through. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.